the chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. Many of you are familiar with that statement coming from Westminster Shorter Catechism. The title of my message this morning is Glorifying God When Life is Hard. You know, in our culture, it's easy to sometimes take shots at people, and and sometimes we're often very critical of the prosperity gospel preachers and ministries, and and for some, for very good reason. And one of the reasons we oftentimes criticize their theology is that that because they have a theology of prosperity, there's there's no room of any kind for suffering or persecution or, or difficulty. And life is supposed to be prosperous and blessed if we're walking rightly with God. And unfortunately, even though we denounce prosperity theology, it oftentimes has crept into our everyday thinking uh, in the church. People seem to think that if hardship comes your way, then then your faith must be weak. You must be doing something wrong or, or you are involved in some kind of sin. And that would have been a very strange kind of conversation to have with the Apostle Paul. That concept that, that hardship equates weak faith would have been a strange concept to him. You see, he was probably the godliest man in the New Testament, and yet he oftentimes suffered greatly. He faced trials and, and suffering everywhere he went to proclaim the good news of Christ. And Paul did not try to avoid difficulties. Instead, he used his hardships in his life for the glory of God. And I want all of us to ask ourselves this question this morning. How can I honor God in my trials, difficulties, pain, and suffering? We'll be looking together this morning at a familiar passage of Scripture to many of us. We'll be looking at 2 Corinthians 4, verses 7 through 18. And I have preached several messages to my own heart from this passage of Scripture. And I find that the messages are are something that I need to keep repeating to myself over and over as I study God's Word because we are all frail and in need. So open your Bibles with me this morning to 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 7 through 18, where we read, But we have this treasure in jars of clay, to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed, always carrying in the body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So death is at work in us, but life in you. Since we have the same spirit of faith according to what has been written, I believed and so I spoke. We also believe, and so we also speak, knowing that he who raised the Lord will will raise us also with Jesus and bring us with you into his presence. For it is all for your sake. So that as grace extends to more and more people, that it may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. So we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light momentary affliction is prepared for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. You see, my first point that I want us to think about this morning 
as we look to the scriptures is purposeful perseverance. It's obvious from this passage of scripture that Paul did not struggle with vanity or thinking too highly of himself. He begins this passage by saying, we are but jars of clay. We have this treasure in jars of clay. And if you've heard any messages on this passage of Scripture, you're familiar with the fact that the jar of clay is supposed to symbolize it. In their culture, they, they made clays for transporting water and those kinds of things. They were very inexpensive, but then they were also very fragile and easily broken. And so Paul uses this jars of clay analogy for our own bodies. And I think it's interesting to note that, that, that at this point, Paul's jar was probably pretty well beaten up and used. He had suffered greatly at the hands of persecution. He'd been beaten. He'd been placed under house arrest. He, had, he understands what it means to have a body that is weakened by hard travels on roads, taking the gospel to people in different churches, in persecutions that he faced. So likely he bore the scars of persecution that made his body frail and weak, and yet he continued to give his everything every ounce of strength that he had of him, in himself to serve Christ. You see, that alone is good news in this passage. This means that as we age, we can remind ourselves that it's not the strength of this vessel that truly matters. It's important for all of us as we work, work our way through this world and we get beat down and this body is broken that we need to understand that this body is not what is important. And it's not the strength of our vessel that matters. It's what we have inside us, inside these jars of clay. It's the glorious gospel of Christ. The plan that the Trinity established before the foundations of the earth, that Christ himself would come and die on the cross, not for his sins, but for the sins of all who would believe in him. So that we can have a restored relationship with God even though our sins should separate us from him. That is the good news of the gospel. That is the treasure that we carry in these weak jars of clay. So, so I want us to examine a little bit what does that look like in our everyday lives. Well, as believers in Christ, we should be able to do that which is difficult. This passage of scripture reminds us that, that we can do hard things for the cause of Christ. Oftentimes we like to challenge our young people and our teenagers that, that they need to spur one another on toward loving good deeds and do great things for the cause of Christ. And while I wholeheartedly believe with that message that, message, that we should be spurring our young people on to deeper faith and, and, and encouraging them to do great things for Christ, there is no point in our life where we stop serving Him. There's, there's no point where we can say, okay, I've done enough. My jar of clay is getting weak, and, and I don't have to do anything anymore. No, that's not the point. The point is that these jars of clay, even though they aren't special, there's nothing special about them, we have the ability to proclaim the good news and the greatest treasure that the world needs to hear. But to do that, we have to be willing to do hard things, including sometimes suffering for the sake of the gospel. Look at what these verses are telling us. These verses, many times, some great promises that tell us all the wonderful things that we have in Christ. And I praise the Lord for those promises because those promises oftentimes can get me through difficulty in my life. 
But initially, these verses aren't all that encouraging when they tell us what we are when we're in Christ. They tell us we're afflicted in every way. We're perplexed. We're persecuted. We're struck down. We're carrying the death of Jesus in our body. We're always being given over to death for Jesus' sake. That's what we are in Christ. Now, the good news is that we'll also never be crushed. We should never despair when we're in Christ. And God is always with us, so we are never forsaken. We we always have the presence of the Holy Spirit leading, guiding, and directing us in our lives. So we can cling to those things, but don't lose sight of the fact that we are afflicted in every way. Perplexed, persecuted, struck down. Those are the things that we should expect as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. And we should understand that, that those things can help us as we proclaim the good news of Christ to a world around us that needs to hear it. God can be glorified through us. And if we want him to be, we should expect those things and we should use those things for his honor and for his glory. And this isn't some hypothetical that Paul is talking about. He himself had experienced these things. And sometimes I think we like to say, oh, well, that's just for Paul's day. You know, that's, that's not for now. But I want us to understand this morning that real suffering does take place in our world right now for the cause of Christ. And our, te- our text tells us that that's the reason the suffering is taking place. Our text tells us that for Jesus' sake, in verse 11, so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So death is at work in us, but life in you. Even though death is at work in these bodies and we're breaking down and, and diseases and other things can, can speed that process, we are living through these things for Christ's sake. In other words, Paul's sufferings pointed to Christ and yours can too. But Paul isn't encouraging some kind of martyr complex. He wants believers to understand that God can receive honor when his children are willing to live for his glory above all else, above their personal comforts, above their ease of life. God gave Paul the strength to endure in spite of some great suffering, pain, trials, and persecution. And in fact, Paul had a powerful testimony for Christ because of those things. He demonstrated that the surpassing power belonged to God and not to us, simple jars of clay. But for us to have that kind of testimony, for us to use our pain, trials, and suffering in this way, we need to make sure that we have a proper perspective. That's our second point this morning. Paul's convictions were rooted in a steadfast belief in God's word. If you and I are to have a proper perspective, we must be rooted deeply in God's word so that when trials, hardships, persecution come, we are prepared. We are steadfast in the Lord, ready for all of those things rooted and built up in Christ. In verse 13, Paul references Psalm 116.10 when he says, I believed and so I also spoke. Paul is connecting 
the Corinthians to the historical faith in God. And just like Paul, the the psalmist had faced all kinds of difficulties and trials, hardships, even to the point of death. But he still trusted God to take care of him. And Paul's demonstrating that the historicity of our faith, that, that the people of God have always leaned into God in our times of trouble. Paul wants Christians now to carry this one step further. Because he says, we can have confidence in eternal life because Jesus proved that he really was the Messiah. That he was the one who was promised to come. In verse 14, we, we read this. He says, knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and bring us with you into his presence. You see, living on this side of the cross, you and I have the, the beauty of knowing that Jesus really is who he claims to be, that he really is the one who came to die for our sins, that he really did rise from the grave, that the grave truly is empty, just as he said it would be. And so when we live on this side of the cross, we know that someday our bodies will be raised from the dead and brought back to life as well. Because we can have the confidence in the promises of God when we're rooted in deeply into his word. And so if we want that kind of faith, we need to understand God's word and immerse ourselves in God's word and be rooted in God's word. And also, as believers in Christ, we must be willing to endure any kind of suffering for the glory of God and the good news and the good of those we are serving. When we are rooted in God's word, we understand that we endure sufferings in this world for the glory of God and for the good of those whom we are serving. Look at verse 15 where it says, For it is all for your sake, so that as grace extends to more and more people, it may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. All these difficulties mean that more and more people can hear the good news of Christ. And when more and more people hear the good news of Christ, more and more people will get saved. And then there will be more and more people exalting and honoring and praising God in heaven for all of eternity. And God receives the glory that is due his name as we proclaim the good news of his salvation to the ends of the earth. God's glory. The spread of the gospel. The proclamation of his name extending his grace to more and more people. That is worth sacrificing for. That is worth suffering for. But to do that, to see that happen, to see that take place, we have to get to work. We have to do the things that he wants us to do. We have to obey what he calls us to do, no matter the hardships that we face. I want to look briefly at Philippians 2, verses 12 through 13, a a passage of Scripture that I think goes well with this concept that we're looking at. It says this, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Paul tells the Philippians, God's at work in you, and he's at work in you for his will and for his pleasure, right? And and, and so what is it that they're supposed to do? He he lays that out for them in in the beginning. As you've always obeyed, continue obeying. Continue to do the things that God has called you to do because he's at work in you to accomplish 
the things that he wants done. He, Paul told it to the Philippians. He also said it earlier in the book of, uh, in the first letter to the Corinthians, he said it to the Corinthian church. This isn't going to be on the screen, but in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, another passage that many of us are familiar with, Paul says to them, for although I am free from all, I have made myself a servant to all that I might win some of them. And, and, and this, then that passage continues on and says, to the Jew I became a Jew, to the Greek I became a Greek, to those who were under the law I was as one under the law, so that I might win them to Christ. To those outside of the law I became an outsider. To those who were weak I became weak that I might win the weak. I become all things to all people that I might save some. And in verse 23 of 1 Corinthians 9, it says this, I do it all for the sake of the gospel, that I may share with them in its blessings. This was a refrain that that Paul had shared with the Corinthians church before. I do it all for the sake of the gospel, so that I might share in these blessings with them as I rejoice when people are coming to know Christ, because they are now gods forever to worship at his throne. You see, and, and it's not just that Paul wanted... Corinthians church, and we already looked at the Philippians church, but he also, as, as he was discipling Timothy, he, he, he wrote to Timothy in 2 Timothy 2.10, he wrote these words, therefore I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they also may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. This was a great theme in Paul's writing, that, that we can endure many things and that we can suffer many things but we're going to do it for the sake of jesus we're going to do it for the sake of the gospel i endure everything for the sake of the elect for those who would respond to the grace and the mercy and the call of christ that they may obtain salvation in christ with eternal glory these verses give the perspective that our suffering isn't meaningless Our suffering can have a purpose in eternal things. And as I've mentioned before, this kind of suffering that we're looking at in these scriptures really does take place right now for the cause of Christ. Real suffering does take place for Christians taking a stand for the cause of Christ in this world. And I want us to think about what that suffering can really look like. So we're going to look at four pictures here this morning. And the first picture that they're going to bring up is a picture that was taken in the Cora Valley as Craig and Shelley's house was burning down. The second picture that they bring up is pretty much when the house is almost completely burned down to the ground. The third picture that they're going to bring up is when Craig and Shelley returned to the tribe and they were taking some pictures of some of their things that were still there in the ashes. And this isn't just something that only happens in remote tribes. This last picture is a church in Ethiopia that's being burned because they take a stand for the cause of Christ. We really don't have to look far in our world to see that real suffering does take place when a believer takes a stand for the cause of Christ. And Craig and Shelley's and other believers in the, at that church in Ethiopia and others have suffered for Christ. And I don't, I don't share this to put them on a, a pedestal. They would hate that. I share it in an example that, that when we are willing to take a stand for Christ, suffering may come our way. But God can use that suffering as a 
beautiful testimony that the power isn't in us. It isn't in our possessions. It isn't in this jar of clay that we are dwelling in right now. The power is and always has been in God himself. And when we endure real suffering in this world, God can be glorified in it. Craig and Shelley have a, a beautiful opportunity to give testimony to the goodness of God and the way that he cared for their hearts in difficult times. And, and the people can look and see a, a faith that is genuine and rooted in God's word that even when a house burns down, their faith is not shaken. Their faith isn't, isn't put to shame. And instead, they continue to minister for the gospel. What a beautiful testimony to the power of the gospel in their lives. And you and I can make that kind of stand. And though, Lord willing, our houses won't get burned down, we can do hard things for the sake of Christ. Not only can we, we must do hard things for the sake of Christ. This isn't just something for missionaries or Christians around the world. This is for us right here, right now. Do hard things for the cause of Christ. But to do that, we have to keep our eyes on the prize. And so our third point this morning is that we need to press on toward the promise. Christ followers must always be a people who press on and pursue the things that matter for eternity. We must be people that, that, that treasure Jesus more than the way that we treasure everything in this world. And so then, when, when trouble comes, when pain comes, when suffering and persecution comes, when, when people mock us, when people scorn us, when we get rebuked, we can say, as we read in verse 16, we do not lose heart, though our outer self is wasting away. Though the things of this world are wasting away, we do not lose heart. Because our hope isn't in the things of this world. Our hope isn't in the loved ones that we have that will pass away. Our hope is not in this body. Our hope is not in our politics. Our hope is not in our country. Our hope is rooted and firmly established in Jesus Christ alone. And the fact of the matter is, and we all know it, this body is breaking down. There's a reason why that jars of clay analogy resonates so well with our soul. We are weak. We are subject to sickness and disease. And we get weaker with age, even when we are still young enough to not want to admit it. We will eventually die. And in a moment, because of an accident for any of us, our strength can be taken away because it is temporary. Now, we can use this as an excuse, or right now, right here, we can choose to continue to serve God with all of the strength that he has provided me right here and right now. And our church has been blessed by so many great examples of people who are willing to do and to serve Christ with all, they, all that they have, no matter how old that they are. We have many great examples of older age kingdom seekers, and I was actually blessed by one of them this past weekend. Tomorrow is Julie's and my 24th wedding anniversary. And this weekend we received a, a Fran card in the mail. And it absolutely blessed my heart. If you've not been at our church 
for many years, you may not even know uh, who this dear St. Fran Nelson is. But if you've been at our church for a while, perhaps you've received one of her cards in the mail. And I, when I received the card, and I knew what I was obviously preaching on and had prepped, and I thought to myself, what a great example of using what strength you have to continue to honor the Lord. I mean, Fran has to be at least 60 years old. <laughs> okay, she was probably 60 years old when I came to this church. Uh, but, but she has the attitude of, I am going to remember and serve, and I'm going to do the things that I can do. And more than just receiving a card in the mail from Fran, which warmed my heart itself, there was great wisdom in that card. In these times that we are facing, continue to seek the one who you can trust with everything. That was the heart of what she shared, and it was just a, 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 a refreshment to my soul to be reminded that, that from wherever you are in the world, you can continue to use the strength that you have to live for the glory of God. And that's what this passage is really all about. If you're young, pursue Christ with all the strength that you have. If you're old, pursue Christ with all the strength that you have. If you have some disabilities, pursue Christ with all the strength that you have. Don't focus on the brokenness of your body. Don't focus on disabilities. Don't focus on your weakness. Focus on the fact that the surpassing power of God is in you because you are in Christ. And serve him with every ounce of your strength for all of your days. But so many don't have that same perspective. You see, I... I said that we're kind of sojourners. We're, we're passing through. And an old theologian, Vance Havner, wrote these words. He says, We no longer feel like traveling on. We feel like settling down. And I think he really nailed it. The, the, only, the only way that I can describe it is that sometimes as Americans, we, we get fat and sassy. We, we get so contented that we just are willing to just sit and be sedentary and trust God that he's going to take care of doing all the things that he needs to do. But, but notice, that's not what Paul's attitude was. And in fact, it, putting, that, putting the focus on us in any way, shape, or form is not what Paul wants from us. Instead, he tells us that this body is temporary, and more importantly, that the inner, inner man is being renewed. It, the older you get, the, the more you should be longing and loving Christ. And the longer you're, you're learning about Jesus and studying his word, the more that you should have stored up that you can share with others. The inner man is re- being renewed day by day. Our spiritual nature, not the physical body, can, can continue to grow stronger as the body grows weaker. But... That's only if we're focusing on doing the right things. It's only if we're, we're focusing on the foundation that we truly need for that strength. And I fear that sometimes the church in America has become weak at best and lazy at worst. And all of us, myself included, fall into these traps sometimes. We, we criticize others who, who may have flawed theology, but, but we allow those tendencies to creep into our lives. And I want us to understand that in times of crisis, in times of desperation, in times of suffering and hurt, we need to run forward in our faith. 
We need to pursue Christ more passionately in those times than any other time. And we need to use those opportunities as an opportunity to tell others about the glorious gospel in Christ. Because as believers in Christ, we understand that Jesus is the only real hope in any and every situation in this world. Man, we, 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 we can look all around us every day and see brokenness. It's everywhere. It's evident. But you and I should not be focused on that brokenness. You and I understand that Christ is the only real hope. And we need to be pointing out that hope to others and, and showing them that a life changed by Christ can endure these things. Not in our own strength, but in the strength that he provides. Our text ends in verse 17 where it says, For this light momentary affliction is preparing, us, is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. You and I, when we know the truth, we need to point people to that which is not transient, to that which is not temporary, to that which is not going to fade away. We need to point them instead to Christ, the only one who can guarantee their eternal salvation. We need to point them to the glorious gospel for which they can be transformed in a moment and have hope of eternal life. They can pass from an enemy of God to knowing and having a loving relationship with God as their father. We can go from separated from him to walking with him daily. And those things are eternal. You and I need to make sure that, that we are pointing to, pointing to those things that are eternal. In a moment, we're going to end with the song, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. One verse of that song says, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer, gracious Savior of my ruined life, my guilt and cross laid on your shoulders. In my place, you suffered bled and died. Because of what Christ has done for us, my guilt he took on his shoulders on the cross of Calvary. My shame and my sin he died for. That is the glorious message of the gospel. But it doesn't end there. You rose. The grave and death are conquered. You broke my bonds of sin and shame. And because of that, we can now live in a way where we can endure suffering in this world. We can endure difficulty in this world because he rose and conquered the grave for us. We have the greatest hope. And when we're going through difficulties and pain and suffering, we can either wallow in self-pity or we can point to the greatest hope that we have and share that hope with others. No matter what you may be enduring, and I don't pretend to know what all of us are going through at this time, but I know that Christ is greater than anything you may be facing right now. And he has given us these jars of clay, these weak vessels, so that when we choose to live for him, we can point to the surpassing power of God that resides in us and he gets the glory. And it is a beautiful thing. The chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. And I might add, especially when life is hard. Let's pray. 
Father, we thank you for the hope of eternal life found in Christ alone. And we thank you that even though these earthly bodies are wasting away, that we have a hope that will never fail us. Oh, Lord, we pray that you would help us to live for your honor and your glory in this world. May we as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ build deep roots in the foundations of your word, which we know can be trusted. May it give us the right perspective. And Father, may we live each day for your sake and for the sake of the gospel. Lord, we thank you for this church. We thank you for Pastor Tim and his faithful preaching. We thank you for the book of John, even, that we have been studying. And Father, in all of these things, we know that you are at work in and through us. And so, Lord, we pray for Tim and his family that they may be refreshed. Father, that if there's things that they are enduring at this time, that you would use this vacation time to restore and refresh their souls so he may come back to continue to feed us from your word. We thank you for his shepherding heart and his love for you in this church. And now, Lord, as we go throughout this week, may all of us live for the one who is worth it, you. And it's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen.